Hello and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. I'm Christine and I'm here with Nate. That's me. And Sung. Hey, I was just chuckling because hello is how you answer the phone. And how you greet people in the morning. Hello. (laughs) Catch all. I know, right? (laughs) It's like chow. It sort of like stands for everything. Right. (laughs) Right. Whereas for me, it's like, you know, how many, how many cups of coffee I've had, depending on my greeting. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning. What do you want? (laughs) Oh man. So what are we talking about today, son? Well, yeah. Last week we talked about, um, forgiveness. Yeah. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about this idea that, um, having a godly home or being Christian parents uh, does not guarantee that you will have Christian kids or godly kids. Because I think while people may not say it, there is this assumption that, well, I'm a Christian. In fact, my kids went to Christian schools and now they are not following the Lord. Yeah. And so it causes a lot of confusion, a lot of hurt, a lot of anger or frustration at God. And sometimes, I mean, honestly, some people are just don't even want to go there because they're raised in, in, in a quote unquote good Christian home that they don't think they sh- should even be frustrated or blame God. Mm. And so there's just this, all this internal conflict of how to feel. And it's just not true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm So uh, the, the verse that I mean, so I've thought a ton about parenting, obviously. Uh, and the verse that immediately comes to mind and one that was sort of like our parenting philosophy train up a child yep. mm-hmm. in, in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Like that sort of made me think, Oh, as long as I do the training part, right. Then sort of like the mm-hmm. result is, was going to, is taken care of. Like mm-hmm. I just need to sort of do the right thing. And there's other things, you know, reap what you sow. We talked about that a little bit last yeah. week. Like all those things would make it feel like, Hey, as long as I do X, Y, and Z, I am guaranteed this end result. But yeah. that's, I've also realized that's not true. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that either leads to, shame a ton of shame and guilt because one or all of your kids don't turn out quote unquote right yeah or uh really foolish pride mm-hmm. because you're just like oh my kids are awesome i did it i, did it. I oh, am right. awesome yeah. let me tell you how to parent can i just tell you like literally with our first two kids <laughs> when they were little we did this sort of like we had a way that we parented mm-hmm. and with my oldest son gabe and then with my daughter Eva we did this and they were both really um sort of obedient compliant children <laughs> and I literally like I was like we are the greatest parents in the world like we should like we need to take this show on the road because we are just that good and then Levi came in and, and sorry Levi no I mean everything that we had done before didn't work I mean mm. that that's the that's the honest truth everything that had worked with the other two did not work with him. And Mm -hmm. I suddenly, I mean, we were just thrown for such a loop because we thought we had it figured out. We thought we had like put in all the right variables and like we were just going to keep spitting out these perfect kids. And suddenly (laughs) the equation was all different and everything that we did made things worse instead of better. So (laughs) we we learned that lesson the hard way. And when I say hard, I mean hard. He was the type of kid, sorry, Levi. uh, But like if we put him in timeout, he would destroy the room. I mean, he would push over bookcases. He would pull all the blankets off the bed and he'd like beat his fist again. And we're talking like as like a two and three year old. This isn't like, you know, seven. I mean, from, from his earliest ability, 
he would push back against punishment and discipline with a ferocity that I, that was alarming Mm -hmm. as a parent. And the other kids would sort of like always just take their punishment and, Mm -hmm. and sort of be like, okay, all right, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. And he was just like, not. (laughs) (laughs) Not. So for any new parents or even parents of kids, in fact, right before this episode, somebody, uh, I was talking to somebody right outside the doorway and I was telling them what the episode is going to be about. And they said, well, boy, tell them they they should not write a book about parenting until they have adult kids. That's right, man. And that's true. Because if you're a young kid, uh, if you're a young parent or a parent to be, you think, oh man, you know, I got this down. I could write the book, 10 rules for a race and godly kids yep and then you have levi levi god bless levi <laughs> he's he, a great he kid ta- he is amazing he yeah. taught us so much about being parents mm-hmm. and then once you once you start to go through the fire you go okay okay it's it's 10 guidelines for raising godly yeah, kids right. and then and then as they grow older you go well <laughs> here are five principles yeah. for raising just kids and then, and then once by the time they're all out of the house you're like here are three suggestions for surviving parenthood <laughs> right. Right. Like, I, I had a good friend of mine when i was in college and he and he was um he, he was a phd professor at a university uh and like totally stable, like, uh, uh, like he loved God and his brother who was literally like a year or two younger than him, very close in age was a convicted felon mm-hmm. and was like in prison. And so he, his philosophy on parenting was, he was like, it's a crapshoot, man. Like, look, <laughs> like, look at the two of us. <laughs> like our paths could not have diverged more wildly. Yeah. And there is some of that. That's true. It, it's unique to the child. Yeah. It's not like a set of rules that works mm-hmm. really. Yeah, going back to the par- the proverb that you mentioned, I think one thing to understand is uh, uh, a proverb is not a promise. Mm. Oh, interesting. Say more about that. So there are things that God promises in Scripture oh. that is that will eventually happen no right. matter what. Right. He will uh, He will make you into the image of Christ. He will return, and on that day, all, all those promises. A proverb is not a promise. They are universal life observations that may or may not be true. So uh, the the train up your child thing is a broad principle, right? But it is not a promise. Oh, such a good distinction. Mm-hmm. And so when parents, especially Christian parents, think, "Oh, <clears throat> I'm going to hold on to this promise." That's where that leads to disillusionment. Sure. Or here's the other thing that I see happen where parents essentially say, I did everything right. Therefore, child, this is your fault. Yeah. Like God, you are the one that's breaking the promise given to me by Mm -hmm. God Mm -hmm. when they take it as a promise. I've seen that over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. I've seen parents on on both ends where they they will, one set of parents, for example, who were so guilt ridden because Mm -hmm. they quote unquote trained up their child. And they did not turn out that way. And so they felt like they failed Uh, as Christian parents. Right. Because if I had done this right. Right. Because this is the promise. And so that is not, um, that's one way. It leads to really spiritually destructive ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. But the other way I've seen is also parents who think, because this is a promise, yep, one of our three kids is kind of a prodigal, but God will bring them home. Mm -hmm. Almost this naive optimism that in a way that was almost laissez-faire right. in, in, in their parenting saying, well, God's promised this. And they, they have this eternal optimism that is really founded on, it's not like that, that they have faith in God. 
It's mm. like they have faith in this in in their faith, mm. mm-hmm. or or this proverb that is mis misplaced. Wow, that's good. And so either way really leads to a mindset that can be destructive to your spiritual health. Mm. And so, yeah. Um, so that's one thing to distinguish with that is that it's a proverb. Yeah. And like all proverbs, like, yeah, sometimes the, the godly, um, bad things happen to them. Mm. And sometimes mm. the fool, the lazy fool strikes it rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, proverbs are proverbs. They're not promises. And so I think that's one thing to understand about this whole idea. Let's debunk the idea. Um, and it's not, again, things that I hear parents say uh, verbally, but you can sense that assumption mm. as a talk. Like, what is that? What, like, what do you experience? Well, yeah, that, <clears throat> boy, I did everything right. Oh, mm-hmm. right. And they still turned out this way. Yeah. You know, we, we sent them to Christian schools. Mm. They went to youth group. And they even got, they were involved in church. But now look at them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's less casting blame on the kids, but more so you can hear it like they are so guilt-ridden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that somehow if they missed something, some sort of technique or some sort of principle, that this wouldn't have happened to their kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have experience with that? I mean, do you interact with parents, Christine, in your role? I as, do. Besides me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know we interact a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely heard that from parents. Um and a lot of times, if I'm interacting with parents, that is why. Oh, um, okay. Is that they... People don't get together just to celebrate how great they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not so much. It's like, you know, what What else can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, or, or sometimes it's me reaching out and saying like, hey, I've noticed this. Can we chat about like how we can partner? And, and, and it is. It's them saying, well, here are the things that I've done. Right. For, you know, them to, to be this other kid that they're not, mm. and I don't know what else to do. Um, and I think sometimes that can be part of it, right? Is it's like with Levi, it's actually not that he's a bad kid. Mm-hmm. He's just a very different kid oh, yeah. from your others. Yep. He's a yep. great, like, when, you know, he's, he's, he's phenomenal. But if you were expecting him to be Gabe or Eva. Yeah. That's not going to work. Nope. And, um, and th- what, what was interesting is that we, when I say that, that he, I mean, maybe God taught me a lot about parenting through Levi. One of the things that I realized was that for him, um, and this wasn't true of my other kids, uh, there is that proverb, a soft answer turns away mm-hmm. wrath, which was absolutely true with him mm-hmm. in the midst of his rage tenderness was the only thing that would sort of break through mm-hmm. and with my other kids all i had to do was sort of give them an angry look and they would just be like oh, i'm so sorry <laughs> and and for him that was the opposite of what he needed he needed tenderness mm-hmm. to sort of mm-hmm. break through and so again that wasn't a tool that i necessarily f- that i didn't think was necessary mm-hmm. um until i realized that that i had a kid that was the only tool that fit yeah you know um so yeah it's true he's not levi hear me you're you're a wonderful child you're just very different than (laughs) than than my first two (laughs) i think the other thing thing to understand too is um based on maybe the kid's personality too 
um, they're going to be wired differently. And so oftentimes what happens is the little kid who's a terror in first grade gets labeled as a bad kid. Mm -hmm. But that same kid grows up to be like this fearless entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And the person who's like the compliant, you know, does everything that's expected kind of kid kind of, you know, grows up and... Yeah, you know. Are you saying this because you were a troublemaker in first grade, Sung? <laughs> I, I, I was actually a very compliant kid. Were you really? I know. Surprising, right? And then did you become rebellious later? I became a Christian. And then I became rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I did become very rebellious like during my teenage, teenage years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. During yeah. the latter part of my teenage years. Very rebellious and very outspoken. Mm-hmm. And I, I would, yeah. So. Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, I, I have a friend who, who instructs on like the DISC test, mm-hmm. the, which is like the four personality types. And that's what she always says. She's like, if every kid took the DISC test and was like, went through school knowing, okay, maybe I'm not like a troublemaker. I'm just a little bit high dominant. Mm. So this is like how, you know, maybe not so much the kid, but teachers like, oh, this kid's a little high dominant. This is how we need yeah. to interact with this yeah. kid or, um, you know, yeah, like yeah. how how different that might be. Sure, the experience of growing up. Yeah, Amy, uh, my wife Amy taught at a at a school, an inner city school, um, for her, and there was a kid there that was a, he was a total troublemaker, mm-hmm. just like through. She taught sixth grade, and then one day for some reason, oh, we had like bought some shelves for her classroom, and she asked him to help, and he like not only focused in for several hours, like assembling this stuff, but he was like creatively problem solving and sort of displaying mm. all the characteristics that you would want to see <laughs> a good student display. Mm. It just had to be in like this super, super sort of tactile environment yeah. and sitting at a desk just made him act out. Yeah. yeah. I think the, <laughs> excuse me. I think the other thing that oftentimes doesn't get noticed or appreciated is, um, you know, whether you're a parent or whether you're judging other parents Go ahead. <laughs> is that the kid might have ADHD or Asperger's or any number of issues, mm-hmm. mental, physical, psychological that are invisible to the naked eye. But you don't see the burden that the parent or the single parent carries with that child. And and let's say even as a single parent or as parents, like that is an incredible burden Mm -hmm. that um, most parents do not understand and cannot understand. Or in some ways, I think we don't realize how far towards righteousness parents have sort of carried their children, you know, Mm -hmm. like sort of left to their own devices, where would they be versus what has the care and love and training of a parent sort of helped them, you know, towards, towards a, a a more righteous life, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I, I mean, maybe we're going to get there, but like so far what we've said is like, Sorry, parents, you're, <laughs> you're out of luck. Uh, are there words of hope? Well, we, we, we will get there. We will get there. Okay, we got. Uh, sorry, folks, we got to deeper, were, deeper you, dive first. You were gonna. You gave me a look about judging other parents. I again, for me, this is just something that I've always been so guilty of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's so easy. And I'll say two things. One, I do think that sometimes it's easier to see from the outside mm-hmm. um, dynamics of a parent child relationship that they might not be aware of. Right. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
also, the, like you were saying, Sung, there are so many times when we just do not know the ins and outs of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's I again, I catch myself regularly thinking like, well, if they would do this, then mm-hmm. it would be, be not a problem. If they would do this, then that would go away. And that's just not, it's just not fair to do. Right. It's yeah. not fair right. to do. No, and I've certainly done that too as well too with other, you know, other parents. Not said it verbally, but thought things. Yeah. And I think the, the danger here, again, if this proverb is a promise then you there's a cause causal relationship between your behavior as a parent right. and your kids behavior when in fact um it's not true and so what happens is you either think yeah like if this parent would only do this when there are a number of variables and then so we are guilty of negative judgmentalism mm-hmm. or and honestly this happens to me to us cuz i mean both of our kids are pretty well-behaved kids Mm -hmm. and people are always like, Oh, you have such great kids. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's my wife. It's not me. (laughs) First of all, secondly, I mean, and there is this thing in the church too, like, Oh, you know, pastors, kids have to be like these perfect kids. Mm -hmm. And that was actually a big reason why I rebelled. My dad was a pastor, just couldn't stand the pressure and the expectation, totally rebelled against it. Um, part of it goes to wiring, mm-hmm. but also like <clears throat> people think like, oh, you must be amazing parents. Like, what's your secret? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, there is no secret. <laughs> right. Like, I don't, you know, it, it, we joke around with our kids too. Like, hey, you know, when you, when you become adults, like you'll be like, oh yeah, we, we need some therapy because my parents were like this or oh that. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> Amy and I will have that conversation. We'll be like, that's coming up in therapy. Like we'll have an interaction and be like, that one's coming up. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so part of that is that either attributing kind of this, you know, especially in the parenting world, like this godlike status. Mm. This mm-hmm. this uh, expert status to parents who seem to, like their kids seem to magically be great kids, academically smart, relationally, socially intuitive, and, and then the opposite to parents where the kids are just like causing trouble everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like I said too, th- those those are the very kids. Uh, sometimes in in later years, kind of become the movers and shakers of the world, and um, so uh, again, I, I think it's really good to hold all of that with this this proverb mentality mm-hmm. and so goes yeah. goes to your question of well what is is there hope before we get there i just want to add like i think a, a lot of this has been even though we're saying like it's not on you parents but here are all the things that may be contributing parents but like i think maybe one thing that i see as the student ministry pastor is mm-hmm. like there's everything that the parent is doing, but then there's the rest of the world. Mm. Um, And so there's, there's the child, their unique personality, the parents, what they're doing and trying and not trying. Um, But then there's also like, I, you know, and and there are a lot of different approaches to this, but there's everything that's on TV. There's everything that's on the internet. There's everything they're learning in school. There's thousands of teens and they're choosing their friends. And even if like, Oh, you know, we don't hang out with those kids outside of school. I know like the friends I had in middle school who I wasn't allowed to hang out with that I only saw in school still had such an impact. And it's an enormous volume of just hours of yeah, the day. Yeah, exactly. Right? If you're doing, if you're in school. And yeah. even if you're in school, you're spending like eight times more time with your friend than you are mm-hmm. with your mom or dad at yeah. home. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's a good, um, it's a good reminder. 
I think two other quick considerations to think about before we go into kind of like the, the role that parenting plays. But one is this idea that, you know, think of Adam and Eve. They were in a perfect environment. Uh, they were um, without sin in, in terms of or, original sin. And yet even in, in that kind of environment, they fell mm-hmm. to sin. Mm-hmm. And so even in that kind of controlled environment, Parad- like God was their parent, yeah. kind of. Yeah, and it was paradise <laughs> that they fell. Like, because I think as parents, our temptation is to create a co- very controlled environment yeah. mm-hmm. where our kids could thrive and succeed. Well, you know what? Like, uh, yes, we can and should, but to the extent that you understand that you cannot control right. mm-hmm. that in your kids. Right. A controlled environment is still not a guarantee. It is not a guarantee. Yeah. The other thing, too, is that I think a lot of times we have this idea, you know, psychologist B.F. Skinner kind of create this whole idea of uh, kids are born with a blank slate. Mm-hmm. And while a lot of Christians will downplay Skinner because of his atheism, uh, they we kind of buy into as parents like, oh, they're a blank slate and my role is to kind of fill that slate mm. when we don't recognize actually, uh, yeah, they're also born sinners as well too. Yeah. And um, there's lots of evidence, no matter how cute and cuddly they are as infants, mm-hmm. they are, there is evidence that you don't need to teach them to be selfish mm-hmm. and so on. And so just to understand that, that uh, yeah, all those things, a, a totally controlled environment will not guarantee godliness. Mm-hmm. And uh, while there is a lot to learn from you as a parent, as a kid, uh, it is not true that they are a complete blank slate. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They're more like a seed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and I think that that view of like, yeah, you know, they, they're a seed, they have their inherent sin. It's like, oh, even... The good kids, right? Even the like, uh, you know, like and the Enneagram, like the ones and twos and nines who are just going to sit there and do whatever you tell them to do <laughs> and obey every rule. Like there's still an inherent sin there. Yep. Um, and there's still a, like a sin tendency. It just looks better Yeah. when they're kids. Right. Yep. So none of this means that parents don't have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah to parent and raise our kids in the ways of the Lord. Mm -hmm. It is a proverb. It is a universal principle, uh, whether that you train them up in the ways of godliness or in the ways of ungodliness. Um, Certainly generational sins and things can be broken. You know, at the end of of the day, it it is your kid's choice, whether they uh, choose to follow the Lord and not, anything that you can control per se. Mm. So in that sense, there, there has to be a healthy self-differentiation. Yeah. Like don't take that guilt upon you. Yes. You, you know, you, you did all you can at the same time. Let's admit <clears throat> parenting is important. We see that in the story of, um, uh, is it Eli in the old Testament? Um, he had two kids. Um, he, he, yeah, Eli was a priest and mm-hmm. he had two kids that he, and it says in scripture, he did not, um, uh, he, he allowed his kids to sacrilegiously offer sacrifices and things, even as emerging priests. Yeah. In the and he was a priest. He was a priest he himself, was a priest himself mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And he let them, allowed them to do things that were not honoring to God. Mm-hmm. And 
and the kid and he paid the consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so parenting does, you cannot say, and uh, my, my dad would always say this too, growing up like, Oh, cause you know, and again, this going back into my history when my, you know, I was a latchkey kid. My dad was never around. He would often say, Oh yeah. Even though I'm not around, I know God is parenting you. Mm-hmm. Right. Which you cannot say parents, yeah. right? It yeah. is your responsibility. And in fact, you, 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 uh, you that family of origin, at a human level has more impact and influence on your child. Um, not maybe not, maybe it may not seem like that during their teen years or whatever, mm-hmm. but as they grow into adulthood and beyond that have more influence on that person, on that child than almost any other relationship that mm-hmm. they will ever know. Mm-hmm. Cause so many things are being formed in those early formative years. Yeah. And yeah. so um, while it is not yours, burden to bear in terms of guilt and shame if your kid isn't following the Lord at the same time, also recognizing that that doesn't mean you shouldn't be intentional Mm -hmm. about having conversations about faith, about friendships, about life Mm -hmm. that you should be discipling your kids really. Yeah. In fact, I know Christine, and this is probably true of you as well too. It's true of me when I was a youth pastor, parents kind of drop off their kids thinking, and I've had parents say this, others that don't say this, but I know this is what they're thinking. I don't know how to handle my kids. Mm-hmm. Good luck. I'm dropping them off here. You try to fix them. Yeah. Yep. yeah. You sort of take care of the religious and relationship with God yeah. part of their life. I'll sort of keep them fed and make sure they get A's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think what's hard about, about what you're describing, Sung, is that there's an element of both responsibility and at the same time, a distinct lack of control. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm most comfortable <laughs> when those two things, when I can control what I'm responsible for, yeah. right? Or yeah. sometimes I feel like if I can't control something, I don't want responsibility for it. Like, mm-hmm. don't put that on me. I can't, I'm, you know, if I'm not in control of the outcome. And parenting is like this weird sort of paradox where you have a ton of responsibility, but ultimately you you don't have control Mm -hmm. at a certain point or you have decreasing amounts of control as your child ages and so that that feels very very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable um and i tend to see parents tip to one side Mm -hmm. sort of like like a child is like no boundaries this child is i don't have control this child is going to develop so i just have to make sure they make it to adulthood sort of thing or sort of like really clamping down hard You can do this. You can't do this. You can see this person. You can't see this person. You can watch this. You can't listen to this and sort of trying to hyper control everything Mm -hmm. because that's how they interpret the responsibility they have. Mm -hmm. And I think parenting is much more of a weird amalgamation of those two things. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's never true of the same two kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Responsibility looks different. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And so I would say trusting God in parenting looks different for those two extremes, Mm -hmm. right? For the controlling parent, trusting God actually means letting go Mm -hmm. and, uh, and giving your child more freedom and agency in their decisions. Mm -hmm. Because in fact, that could be so debilitating as they grow into adulthood because Everything has been dictated to them. Yeah. You know, so the helicopter parents, they think they're doing their kids a favor when in fact you've just short-circuited the, the, the mental, emotional mm-hmm. capacity that they, they need to form. Mm-hmm. 
but also for the parent who kind of are laissez-faire, like, oh, God will take care of everything. No, trusting God actually means that you're involved mm-hmm. yeah. in your kids' yeah. life. And I think, you know, like that, that passage, like, uh, you know, raise your child in the way they should go. And when they're young, they will not depart from it. I think a lot of times we think like, we hear that and we think, raise your child in the place they should be. Mm. And it's not, you know, that that's like, okay, we, we need to like build this box and make sure that they stay in this box. But it's really like journeying with your child, right? Mm. Like on the way. And that's not a guarantee that they're going to keep walking that same path. But I think a lot of times, you know, with teens, like, that's four years where they're going to be a different person than they will ever, they ever were before and they will ever be, <laughs> be again. again. Um, and that feels scary because it's like, this isn't where they should be. Mm. But like, it's, it's helpful to remember like, oh yeah, like I, even as like a youth pastor, like I don't have to get their kids to the place they're supposed to go because mm. that's heaven. Um, that's like, you know, it's just how can we walk this path with kids yeah i think the other thing that i've seen the other way that i've seen people interpret that passage is to sort of like teach your kids what they should believe or Mm um instead of uh instead of like teach them how to make decisions or how and then with the problem is that when the teenage years hit where they where every almost every teenager i've ever seen begins to question everything Mm -hmm. right suddenly like that box gets blown apart and parents are suddenly thinking like oh no wait you don't believe what i taught you to believe or you're not sure you believe like i have Mm -hmm. failed as a parent whereas and i'm i'm you know i don't i'm coming close to to doing what we were criticizing earlier, which is telling other people how to parent. Uh, but sort of like if, if you are raising them up and walking with them to learn how to make decisions mm-hmm. right. and how to critically evaluate their beliefs right. and how to live um, or how to see the fruits of generosity mm-hmm. and kindness and, and those kind of things, that's really a different, mm-hmm. that's a totally, that's a, that's a journey, not necessarily a box. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, like maybe it, in uh, on your side, that feels like a criticism, but I think it can also be really freeing, right? Where it's like, okay, your kid doesn't have to accept everything mm-hmm. that you're saying or like believe exactly what you believe or go exactly where you want them to go right now. But it's like the freedom to, to for life to be a journey mm-hmm. and for questioning to enter the equation and for beliefs to, to kind of shape as you go. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important what you just said, Nate, because when I think of the way, the environment that I grew up in and my parents, it was like, here's what you be- you should believe. And here's what you should do. Right. Here's yeah. what you should do. But there was never a sense of here's how to think about it. Yeah. Here's how to think about your faith. Here's how to discern. Here's how to think critically about even mm-hmm. the things that we've taught you. Here's how to think critically about culture mm. and film and music you know, because again, like some parents will go like some parents are raised that way and go, oh, yeah, kids, you can listen to whatever you want. Watch whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And that's just as like wrong headed as well, too. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it is. It, it's, and I would even say more so than um, like what you believe or what you profess. I imagine because this was true in my life. Your parents could tell you what you believe or what we believe. It's a whole nother thing 
when you see how your parents actually live their faith at oh, home. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And I would say you could, and this is where Christian parents could be like, we taught them all the right things, yeah. mm-hmm. but what they don't see is the dysfunction and the anxiety and all the kind of bitterness that swirls between a couple or hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. And that does more damage to a kid's faith than like what you taught them or what they should do. It's really, uh, and again, it's kind of holding a mirror to, you know, parents to, to your life Mm -hmm. and to your heart. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, like things that you don't even whisper, you know, things that you whisper to, let's say your spouse, like it will come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In other ways, yeah. maybe not verbally, but it will come out in your life, your attitude, your priorities, and that has a bigger impact on, you know, and, and honestly, that was a big part of when I think of my rebellion, um, it, it was really that. Mm. It wasn't, I rebelled against my parents' beliefs. It was, it, it was, there were so many other underlying things. Mm. And so ju- just to highlight the importance of, Yes, you profess Christianity. You've professed faith in, in Christ. But we still all have dysfunctions that we need mm-hmm. to be aware of mm-hmm. and name. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think when you name it, it kind of takes out the, the teeth. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, uh, and this is where, you know, my, my wife is so much more virtuous than I am. I freely admit all my rough edges and wrongdoings with my kids. So like it... it hopefully it, it takes away the power of, you know, cause I know for me as a kid, I was like, dad, how could you be that way? You're a pastor. Mm. There was the, the gap of hypocrisy for me. There's a, there's a, a free admission and hopefully there's a freedom in that, that doesn't hold <laughs> as much power yeah. as it did when I was growing up as a yeah. kid. Yeah. It's mm. good. I mean, it's a lot. The thing that Amy and I often remind each other of um, is that, and it's true of every relationship, right? But we find it to be very, very true in marriage relationships and parenting is that you can't be a better parent or spouse than you are a person, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people get caught, kind of like the whole like do as I say, not as I do sort mm-hmm. of a thing. It's like, well, I can't I can't keep my life together, but you need to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of like placing the burden on a, a child, Um because you can't do it is not is not helpful. Right. Far better to simply say to the child, "Look, here's a burden I can't carry. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, that's just the way that this is right now. And here are the ways that I'm trying to get right. better at mm-hmm. doing this. Right. Versus saying like, you know, you need to not make the same mm-hmm. mistakes I did or something like that. Yeah, and I think sometimes like. I mean, yeah, it's like so scary, right? To like tell a teenager I was wrong because they are ruthless. <laughs> uh, but one thing like, yeah, I mean, kids and teens, they can see hypocrisy oh, so much clearer. Their BS meter is like <laughs> off the charts. For real, yeah. So it's like they they know and you saying like, I'm sorry, I see this. Mm-hmm. Let's just like get that on the table. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's so powerful. Yeah, and by doing that, that may open up more doors and channels of conversations mm-hmm. where you've been beating your head against a door, going mm-hmm. like, "How do I get my teenager to talk to me?" Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
it could be less pestering and more admission of guilt mm -hmm. and just coming alongside. I mean, they're, you know, and we're talking specifically teenagers. They're yeah. teenagers now. They're not little kids, you know, and mm -hmm. sometimes we want to treat them like they're still little kids because, you know, in our minds, hey, like, shoot, man, I I'm still my mom's little boy, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> um, that never changes. But again, what does it look like to start treating them mm -hmm. and respecting them as emerging growing adults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, and I have been asking forgiveness of my kids from, from the moment that I started doing things wrong as I parented them, mm -hmm. which is like from, er, from earliest memory, mm -hmm. um, simply because that, that's a, that's a value that we sort of, that I have as a parent, but it makes a difference. Like it, it makes it a difference because again, you're training your children that like, Hey, when we do something wrong or when we, when we hurt someone, we don't brush it under the rug. Right. We don't, mm -hmm. you know, we confess it. We talk about it. We try to work towards health. So even in that, even admitting where you're failing as a parent, you are training them to, to be mm -hmm. the way that you want them to be. Right. Yeah. I think not even just admitting when it comes to your relationship with your kids, but also, um, you know, I, I, th uh, I th there's a number of different situations I'm thinking of, but even let's say, you know, let's say, you know, as a mom, you're anxiety ridden, as a dad, you're passive aggressive. I think even just admitting like the shortcomings and acknowledging like your own shortcomings mm -hmm. in areas of growth yeah. to your kids yeah. actually helps humanize you mm -hmm. and helps them uh, feel like you're safe to open up to. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you portray this, I need to be perfect in my, the eyes of my kids or strong, like they're never going to open up to you. Yeah. Right. But yeah. also just saying, yeah, look, you know what, man, I, I know that there was a situation at work and I responded like this at home, maybe not to you, but I know you all saw it. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've apologized to my kids about the way that I've treated their mother. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And simply said like, look, that is not in keeping with who I want to be or the model that I want to set. I'm so sorry that yeah. I said, I once, I once apologized to my son's like a, like six of his teenage friends mm. because they were all over and I said something sort of disrespectful to Amy mm. um, and she came to me later she was like that was that was hurtful and I and it had been in this circle and so I was like hey guys <laughs> you know I mean yeah. again they sort of had like a deer in the headlights eh, look <laughs> mm -hmm. you know but again for me like that is the value yeah. it is. like put it out there and yeah. I would even say too there's probably at least one kid in there who will remember that years down the road mm -hmm. going like, I never experienced that in my household. Mm -hmm. The first time I actually saw that, like you never know yeah. the mm -hmm. impact that even something like that will have, even with the deer in the headlights thing. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I can think of so many examples of like times when that's happened when other people have influenced me from decades ago mm -hmm. and they would go, what? I don't even remember that. I don't remember yeah. that. So I think that's important. I, I think just as we talk about parenting, look, parenting is, is, is a tough job. Giving advice is really easy. Mm -hmm. And so is critiquing. Mm -hmm. yeah. But anyone in the middle of a battle, it's not that simple. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would say, yeah. Um, Good luck, parents. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I think, I think that, that the, I mean, if we're going to talk about, you know, three principles to survive parenting your children, I, I think there is, I think there is a lot to be said for like taking your own growth very, very seriously yeah. for, uh, you know, and I, and I think that 
seeing each of your children as an individual, mm-hmm. I, you know, again, it can be overdone. Like I get it. Like every child is a delicate flower. I, I, I've seen that carried too far, but it is also true, mm-hmm. you know, like, it, like on one side of the line, it really should impact the way that you, uh, the way that you mm-hmm. parent and train your children. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I think it can be really easy to either, I don't know, just sort of say like, Hey, here's the three things I do with every kid. And it works. You know, they're not, they're not horses <laughs> or dogs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Christine, what do you, what do you want to say to parents? Well, Now's your chance. Yeah. Well, the third principle, cause you only gave two. <laughs> oh, <shoot. laughs> is, um, I think, yeah, just like re- re- living into that balance between not having control, but having that responsibility mm-hmm. and knowing that like, yeah. Um, only in in the eyes of God, are you stewarding what he has given you well? Mm-hmm. In the eyes of other parents, in the eyes of, you know, even your kids who all of us are going to go to counseling for the way we were parented. That's fine. <laughs> we're, we get that. Um, but yeah, just kind of trusting God mm-hmm. instead of um, trying to seize or diminish our control and responsibility. One last thing I'll add to before we hit the uh, closing music button here is as parents, no matter where your kids are at or what they do or, you know, like, I don't care if, because these are conversations I've had and we've all had with parents or whatever, whether they've done something so horrendous or they've come out of the closet or they've, they, you know, they've brought, like, they, they've failed academically. I don't care, like, your responsibility really is just to love them the way God loved, loves you. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I don't care if they've murdered somebody, they are still your child yeah. mm-hmm. and your call is to love them unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that doesn't solve all the issues, but just, just as a, as just as a, you know, um, Sure. As One like last the, exhortation. Right. And as like the primary principle yeah. of parenting, mm-hmm. yep. you know, it's not, it's not their academic success. Yep. It's not, it's that they desperately, desperately need to know that someone loves them. Mm-hmm. And the way that to love them is not the way you want to be loved or the mm-hmm. way you want to show them love, but the way, if you really understand the heart of your child too, to understand how they receive love mm-hmm. too. Because if you think, oh, this is how I love my kids, but that's not how they receive it. Sure. Like it's not, you're not putting any capital in that relationship. And so like you, like you had talked about Nate, like your kids are different and kids, kids being, I mean, this is true of everyone, right? The way we receive love is as individualized as each, each, you know, person is. And so as a parent, that, that is part of the responsibility of loving your child in a way that, that they will receive that um, no matter what they go through, no matter who they are, no matter what they do. Mm. It's good stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Join us next week. Yeah, we're going to continue. We're in a series, and I don't know if we ever said this, Things I Wish I Knew. Yeah. So we're going to just keep cranking. Yep. See you then.